I like it to be simple. Two types of stress, internal stressors and external stressors. So the external stressors, I'll start with them. Those are the things that you don't have control over. So for example, your work schedule. This is Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, friend. Welcome to the show. Hi, Max. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. How's your Friday? Friday's good. I start holidays. So, you know, yeah, I have one more thing after you and then I'm on holidays. So. Oh, nice. How much time are you taking off? I'm off all next week, but no, I'm not going anywhere. Just staying around home and visiting friends and relaxing, you know. So it's a mental break from the grind, right? It is a mental break from the grind. And the funny thing is, is that one of my coaching clients, we had a call today and normally I see her on Monday and I said to her, so I won't see you next week. And she said, yeah, that's right. And then I went, well, if you need, and I had to stop myself from actually saying, if you need me, call me and we can have a session because we get into this habit of just working all the time. So, but I didn't do it. So I'm proud of myself. Yeah. All right. Well, that's actually a good segue when it comes to talking about stress reduction in the workplace. I know it's been a couple of hard years for a lot of professionals listening to this podcast. You got COVID which made the government do a lot of restrictions where you can go out for a certain period of time, then the social distancing and all that. And then when we were near the end of COVID or COVID not being prevalent as it was at the beginning of March of 2020, now we're talking about recession. So now that's another type of stress that a lot of professionals are currently facing. So you got COVID for a couple of years and now we're entering a recession and a lot of economists are saying that it's going to be very bad for at least a few years. So with all that being discussed, you specialize in helping people reduce stress, right? So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background on how you do that? Sure. Many years ago, I'm going to bring us back to 2011. I was working as an adult educator with the school board and I, like many people, let my work take over my life. And I ended up getting really nauseous and having lots of headaches and some vision issues, which I thought was not a big deal. And then one morning I went into work and I turned on the lights in my classroom and I had lost vision. Couldn't see anything. And I was like, oh my God, like what is happening right now? Like, this is so extreme. The vision came back in one of my eyes, the other eye, it was gone. And I ended up going home immediately and then spending many weeks going to the hospital for tests and stuff. But what ultimately happened was I ended up with a migraine and vision loss in one of my eyes for four months. And I was in bed for four months and it was all stress induced. And that started me on the path to really looking at wellness and how to take care of myself. And as the years went by and things, you know, career change, and now I do coaching and training with clients. And one of the key things that everybody has in common is their ability or inability to deal with stressors in their life. And so I like to educate people on what is stress, how it affects the body, and then strategies that they can use to implement to help them manage their stress. So I think a certain level of stress is good for your health. And what I mean by that is 
for example, like you're doing a deadline, obviously there comes a point where you get overworked and then your body can't handle the stress, which leads to burnout. So I think there is a certain level of stress you need because I read a study before that there was these volunteers for the study and all they had to do was sleep in bed. A lot of people were able to handle the first couple of days, but then they started talking to themselves. They started having dreams and then they said they couldn't take anymore, right? So you do need a certain level of stress to like keep your body stimulated. So what is your recommendation for people working right now that do feel that stress, whether it's people getting laid off due to the kind of trying to be more lean? So there's a bigger workload. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, the thing that I would say, and this is based on my experience and what I went through and what I coach people with, stress like you said, stress is really important in our life because it keeps us safe. It tells us that there's something going on or there's something dangerous that we need to pay attention to. And we are designed to go in and out of stress. But I think, like you said, we end up in a stressful life all the time. And that's where it becomes dangerous, right? And it can cause you know health effects. So the first thing that I always tell people when we're talking about stress and dealing with stressors is there's only two kinds of stress. Now there's lots of research out there that gives it into like all these different categories. I like it to be simple, two types of stress, internal stressors and external stressors. So the external stressors, I'll start with them. Those are the things that you don't have control over. So for example, your work schedule, you might not have control. You work nine to five. That's just how it is, right? You might not have control over people. <laughs> people are a good example of external stressors. We think we have control over them, but we really don't. I can only guide people. I can give my input to it, but their ultimate actions and decisions and reactions are theirs. I can't force them to do anything. And so really think about, do you have control over something? And that's the internal stressors, the ones we actually have control over. And honestly, our internal stressors that we can control are ourselves, our thoughts, our actions, our words, our reactions to something, you know, boundaries that we set. Those are all of our own things that we control, but the external stresses we don't control. So it's really important that we distinguish what is an internal stressor and what is an external stressor. And when I mention people, because this is probably the biggest challenge that we have is we think that we can influence other people and control them. And we really can't. You and I talking right now is a perfect example of an external stressor. So I want to give your listeners and you the best information that I have. So when I come to this meeting with you and I and this chat, I'm coming with my ideas. I'm coming with my words. I'm going to give you some strategies and some tools. And then my goal is that you'll walk away with something helpful, but it's still an external stressor because I can't control whether you think this is a good episode, whether your listeners enjoy it. They might think it's horrible after they listen to them. I go, Oh my God, I can't believe I wasted all my time, but I can't control that. So for me to come to you and to your listeners and your audience, I don't feel stressed at all because I have no control over the outcome. I can only control my input into the situation, which is what I'm giving to your listeners. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes what happens is that we think we can control that, but I can only control my part in this interaction that you and I have and that your listeners have. I have no control over your listeners. So for me to get stressed about it is wasted energy because there is no impact on my end for that outcome. Does that make sense? The way I explained yeah, it? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the biggest thing, number one, is determine, are your stressors internal or external? And to be perfectly honest, and I don't mean to simplify it at all, because stressors are a big problem for people in our lives. But if it's an external stressor, you shouldn't be putting your effort into it. So in the workplace, right, I have to work nine to five. So my options, right, like if that's the job that I have, my options are I continue to work or I change jobs. Like that's as simplistic as it is. It might not be easy to change jobs. I'm not saying that it's easy to just find something else, but those really are the options. So when you look at your stressors, look, can I control them? And if there is something that I have some sort of say in or some sort of control over, so I can choose to work at my job or to change and leave it. So now which decision am I going to make? Okay, if I'm going to stay, then now I need to think about what are some strategies or what can I do to minimize the stressors around me? And I think that we sometimes get, especially in this environment where we are right now in life, with all the things that happened with COVID and then the recession coming, we feel overwhelmed with all the things that are happening, but they're truly out of our control. Like if the recession happens, it's going to be horrible for everybody. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But I don't control the economy. So for me to stress about that is not helpful. However, let's say I can control how much money I'm spending. So maybe I'm going to implement a budget. I'm going to control, you know, if I'm worried about my work, maybe I'm going to see if I can have extra shifts. Maybe I'm going to get a part-time job. Maybe I'm not going to eat out as much. So there are things that you can do to control your stressors as far as if I'm thinking about money, right? And what's happening with this recession and to make sure that I take care of myself and my family. Well, then money is what I can control. How I spend my money is what I can control. I cannot control that there's a recession coming. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, because it goes back to the stressors, right? So I'm a career coach and I help professionals with their job search. There's internal and external stress. The external stress is not getting a response from the recruiters or hiring managers after you go through the interview process. And now you feel stressed out because they're not responding to you. The internal stress is what you can't control is you might not be putting in enough applications, but you can control that because you can put more there, right? So like you said, for the recession, we're only two individuals. We can't control the recession going to happen or not. You just have to have the plan in place that when it does happen, you're not going to be panicked, right? So that's the internal. So it goes back to what you said. You can control your internal factors and focusing on that locus of control will make you better mentally compared to always like worrying about external stuff, which is why I don't really watch the news that much because there's so much bad out there, but you can't control any of it, right? And it's just giving you unnecessary stress. Absolutely. And I love your example too about the career thing. Like, yeah, I put all the resumes out there, but nobody's responding to me. Okay. So we're going to put more resumes out. Maybe we're going to change your resume. Maybe we're going to get you a couple of resumes so that depending on what kind of job you're applying for, you've got a resume that goes with that. So there are things that you can control, but yeah, if you can focus on that aspect of the components that you do have something to contribute or can modify it or change it in some way, sure. But recession, COVID. I have no control over COVID. Like, <laughs> honestly, I mean, it's been a very stressful couple of years. I agree. But to be perfectly honest, I don't have control over it. So me stressing about, oh, the numbers are going up and okay, but I can control my actions. So I won't go out as much, or maybe I won't see as many people, or I'm going to make sure that there's lots of hand washing and masking and all that stuff. 
yeah, those are the things I control. And beyond that, I don't have any control over it. So if there's another wave or there's a different variant, that's not my job to control that. So that's another statement. I teach this to my clients, actually. That's not my job. <laughs> like, And it works with everything. It doesn't just have to be employment. I was talking to a client today and she was saying how people were very unsupportive and not understanding what she was going through. And so she was spending a lot of her time trying to explain it to them so that they get it. And then finally she said to herself, that's not my job. My job is not to convince them that they need to understand what I'm doing with my life and my choices. My job is to take care of me and my family and make sure my choices are not affecting them negatively. If the other people in my life or on the periphery think that I'm making bad choices, it's not my job to convince them otherwise. It's not my job to make you, Max, love broccoli. If you don't love broccoli, then you don't love broccoli. And I can put as much cheese sauce on it as I want, but you don't like broccoli and you never will. So I'm putting all this energy and effort into trying to change something that I have ultimately no control over. So speaking of controlling your circumstances, especially in the workplace, let's go to the next part about setting boundaries, right? A lot of professionals, especially the younger generation, when they're getting into the corporate world, they are a bit of a people pleaser, so to speak. So whenever a manager or executives want them to do something, they say yes, but then they say yes so much that they have all this work that they have to balance. So what is your recommendation to set boundaries in order to perform optimally, but then also reduce your stress levels? So there's a couple things. So number one, and again, I don't make mean to simplify or make it sound like it's not important because I know that it is. But the thing is, is that you need to say no. You need to say no. And the thing is, is that we teach people how to treat us. So your example of, yes, I'm a new employee and I want to do everything because I want to stay. I want to stay there permanently. I want them to hire me on and not, you know, dismiss me after my first three months. Right. And that's fine to say yes, but you want to do it within the parameters of the job that you're doing. So you've been hired for a particular job. So is that in the scope of your job and your job description? And if it's not, and this is really hard for people, then you shouldn't be doing it, right? Because the more you take on, like you said, the more they're going to ask you to do. If you want to do extra work, great. <laughs> I mean, if you got lots of free time, sure. But I think that we need to really start thinking about how is it affecting your mental health? So that could be a question you ask yourself. If I say yes to this, that my boss has asked me to do this thing, is it going to affect my mental health? It's outside of what I'm doing. It's going to take a lot of maybe extra hours or take me away from what my main role is. So is it going to affect that? How is it going to impact my main job if I'm adding this extra project on? Okay, from a time perspective, if it's only a couple hours, maybe you're going to say yes to it. And that's perfectly fine. If it's a big project, or something that will take longer, maybe you can make the suggestion to your boss or supervisor, whoever it is, that maybe it takes a team, maybe you could set up a group of people that could do it together. So you're not doing all of it, but you have a couple other people, right? And the thing too, is you need to be honest with your employer. I think that's one of the pitfalls and one of the traps we fall into is that we want to please everybody and we say yes to things. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do that. Like, oh my, I got to learn now this extra thing that's not really my job and not really part of my role here. And now I got to learn something new. So 
if it's not in your wheelhouse of expertise or something that you're comfortable with or in your job description, you need to say so. So that might be another way, a polite professional way of saying no without saying no. You know, gee, Max, I'd love to help you with this project, but I know nothing about doing a podcast. So it would require me to learn a lot. And that would take a lot of extra time, which I'm fine to do over time that I'm paid for. But maybe somebody else would be better suited to do this because I really don't know anything about it. Right. And that's a great way to just say, yeah, thanks, but I'm not really the right person for you. And it's really hard because you're right. When we get into a job, we always want to say yes, 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 yes. And you have to remember if that's the pattern you're setting up then moving forward, you're going to be the person they always come to because they're like, oh, Max will say yes, we'll ask him to do it. And then you're just piling more stuff on you. And that's not going to be beneficial to you. So is it going to affect your mental health? Do you have the time? Do you have the skills? Do you have the capacity to take that on at this point? And it could be something too, as simple as saying to your supervisor, you know, I'm just learning my way around this role that I've been hired to do. I don't know that adding something else at this moment would be the best because I really want to focus on this job that you've hired me for, right? That I'm putting everything into. So it might not be a good distribution of my time or my skills, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. And this also could be a political play. And what I mean by that is let's say there's two individuals, there's your manager and this other one has set boundaries. And then the manager knows that he or she can't push this person. So then since you're the people pleaser, he or she will just keep on throwing work towards you. And then, then you'll get resentful because you feel like you're doing all this work and this other person not doing much because he set the boundaries. And then what will really take you off if, if that person actually ended up getting promoted and you you've been doing all that work, right? So yeah. yeah, so I do agree that you do have to help your manager when it's necessary, but you also have to set your own boundaries so you don't destroy your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example too. And I remember when I was teaching, you know, I would say the managers would come and they'd say, oh, well, we should have a whatever, do this project. And they say it in the staff meeting, right? Anybody interested in blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, oh, Max, what about you, Fran? What about you? Would you like to do? And we're put on the spot in the moment. So you kind of end up saying yes, right? And then after a while, I kept thinking, I'm doing all this extra stuff. Nobody else is doing it. I'm not getting paid for it. And so I started saying no. And then what happened was, exactly what I wanted. I didn't not get asked all the time, but what happened was the manager would come to me and say, so I'm thinking about this project. I'm like, oh yeah. And this is how it would go now. Do you think you'd be interested in it? Or is this something that you can't take on right now? And that was how it was asked to me. So the phrasing of, instead of saying, Fran, do you want to be on this project? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in, on the spot now became we're doing this project. Is it something that's interesting to you? And can you take it on right now? And then I didn't feel bad to say yes or no. Like if I said no, I was like, no, I can't. And the manager was always like, okay, no problem. But I had colleagues who always said yes. And when I was asked, it was often after everybody, all the people pleasers were asked and the manager would say, well, this person's doing it and this person's in the group and this person's working on it. I'm like, oh, sounds like you got a lot of people. That's awesome. I don't think you need anybody extra. That was just like a really good way to pull myself out. So that's the other thing you got to think about. You're setting these boundaries and you're setting the boundaries forever. Like while you're at that organization and in that role and even moving into another role, you've set the situation up that Max is a people pleaser. Fran's always going to say yes. So those are the people that you become the go-to people for everything. And do you really want that? 
Like that's what I would say to ask yourself. Do you really want that role? And why are you people pleasing? So this topic, I do a lot of coaching with my clients on this, is a very deep rooted topic. So if you have difficulty saying no, if you are a people pleaser, then I would say to you, you should be asking yourself, why are you like that? Is it because when you were growing up, maybe you had lots of brothers and sisters and it was hard for you to be seen? Maybe you didn't get the attention or the love or whatever word you want to use from your caregivers. And so by being there and saying yes all the time, that put you in the forefront. So really think about why you're doing this people-pleasing activity because there is a reason for it. It's not just like you had said, well, I'm in this new job and I want my you know, supervisor to think I'm really good at what I do. That's not it. That's not the reason that you're a people pleaser. There are other things in your life and other patterns that have led you to become a people pleaser. So ask yourself what that is. And when you get to the root of that, then you might actually be able to say confidently, no, I'm not going to take on that extra work because you know that the reason that you would be saying yes is this other root cause. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that actually goes to our next part, right? About stop caring about what other people think, because when you're people pleasing, you're caring what people think. And a lot of people find it hard to butt heads with their manager for fear of like repercussions that they might implement later, right? And then you also got coworkers that you want to please as well, because some of these coworkers could give you a hard time. And then there's this whole political play, right? So what is some advice that you could provide in terms of helping people stop caring what people think in the workplace about them? I think you should really think about your skills and your expertise. And when you're new in a job, it doesn't matter what age you are. When you start a new job, you're like, oh my gosh, I really want to do well. And I really want them to like me. And okay, so you have the skills. I mean, they hired you for that job. And I want you to think about this. All the applicants that were there, all the people that went through the process, you were the person that they chose. And I want you to remember that you're the one they picked of all the people. There could have been hundreds of people sending in applications and maybe 20 people at the most got interviews, maybe even less, but they picked you. So you are coming with some skills and expertise. So you have already pleased those people because they've hired you. Okay. Second thing, I want you to think about what is your intention? I mean, your intention is to show up, to do the best that you can right? To put in 150% if that's right. And to really make sure that whatever project or whatever job you're doing, you're doing it to the best of your ability. So your intention is that you're putting in 100%. So if that's what you're coming into with every day, in everything you do, whether you're working at a coffee shop and you're making coffee for somebody, or you're, you know, an upper level executive, it doesn't matter. You come into that role with the intention is I'm here to do my job to the best of my ability, and I'm gonna do it. That's my job, that's what I'm hired to do, is to put in 100%. So if you're putting in all the effort, right, and you're using all your expertise, then what other people think should not matter because what they're seeing is you, the excellence of you. And I think too, when it comes to worrying about what other people think, I have no control, so I'm gonna come back to number one. It's an external stressor. I had someone say to me one day, I don't like the Dalai Lama. And I said, what? And they said, yeah, you know, I don't actually not like them. I hate the Dalai Lama. And I thought to myself, are we talking about the same guy? Like the embodiment of Buddha, like that guy? That, yes. But their perspective was they didn't like him. 
So even though, let's say he did all these great things in the world and many people think he's an amazing guy and he does all these wonderful things and he wants world peace and blah, blah, blah. There are people in the world like, yeah, I don't like that guy. So it doesn't even matter. You can be the Dalai Lama. You could be Jesus. You could be Mother Teresa. People don't like you. So it doesn't really matter what you do. People might not like you. And that's okay. Like, again, I love these questions, Max, but they're a little bit deeper too, because it comes back to, so what do you think about yourself? Do you value yourself? Do you value your skills and your expertise and what you bring to the table? doesn't matter whether it's your first job or your 20th job. Like, are you valuing what you have to offer somebody else? And so I would recommend you ask yourself, you know, what is my worth? What is my value? Do I think that I am worthy of people to say, wow, Max, you did a great job. That was an awesome thing that you did there. Thanks so much. Like, and you receive that compliment and say, yeah, I am worthy of that praise. So some people don't think that they're worthy of that. Right. So that's something that's where the people pleasing and the concern about what other people think about you comes in because again, maybe you don't value yourself. So I would say a task that I learned from one of my coaches that I I'm going to share with you and your audience is I have a sheet of paper and on it, it says, look at me. I'm awesome at the top. That's the title. Look at me. I'm awesome. And then on the page, and it's more than one page now, you're going to sit down and you're going to write down all the things that you have done, not just your schooling, not just your expertise in your area, but all the things you've done. Like I learned to surf. I'm not good, but I learned to do it. (laughs) That goes on my list. Like traveling by yourself. That might be a big deal for somebody moving out of the house and supporting yourself and paying your own bills. These are all the things that you have actually accomplished in your life. Make a big, long list of them. And then when there are days that you're like, people are judging me or I'm a people pleaser, I don't feel like, oh man, I'm not measuring up to my coworkers. Look at that list and look at all the things that you've done and that you've achieved and how awesome you actually are. And that list for me anyway, and for my clients, it really is sort of a bring you back to reality to kind of go, oh, really a great person. I've done some pretty awesome things. I'm really good at what I do. And it just reminds you of that. So that might be a homework piece for your listeners. <laughs> Sorry to give homework. <laughs> yeah. And going back to what you said about there will be people out there that will not like you, but let's spin it back on you. You don't like everybody either, right? So why are you so harped up on everybody liking you when you don't like specific people, right? Like there's some people that you might not like at work. If you're in university, you might not like some people that you go to school with, but yet you want everybody to like you. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That's okay. I think, I don't know why, I don't know where, I don't know when, but we've kind of got this idea that, yeah, we want everyone to like us. I don't want everybody to like me. So, and this is where the intention comes out. I know that when I go to work and when I do these interviews and I come on podcasts and stuff, I'm here to serve the audience and I'm here to help you and give your people some information. And I hope that it's helpful for them. But in the end, they might not like me. It's okay. I have no problem with that because I'm sharing my opinion and my experience, right? And my expertise. And some people might not agree with that. It is totally fine. So yeah, not everybody likes you. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You have lots of friends otherwise. And the thing with work, and I think this is where the thing where it comes in, Max, is that when we're at work, we have a hard time thinking about and separating. Okay, I don't like Max, but I work with Max. So let's change the intention that, okay, I work with Max. So my goal is that we work well together. We don't have to like each other, 
but we have to produce and we have to work together. So why don't we focus on working together well and how does that happen and work on cultivating that relationship? What are Max's strengths? What are Fran's strengths? Where can we complement each other and do a good job together as a team? But we don't have to be friends. And that's kind of, I think, a myth or I don't know, this indirect idea that we have in our lives that we have to be friends with everyone we work with and everyone has to like us. They don't have to like you. You just have to be really good at what you do. So be really good at what you do. And then people will like you for that. They might not like your personality, but that's okay. You're there for work. So let's do the best that you can at work and work with your coworkers. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially nowadays, people don't stay at the same job forever, right? So yes, you might have to put up with Max or Fran for a little bit, but know that either you'll leave in a couple of years or they'll leave in a couple of years and then you'll work with other people, right? So it's going to be constantly evolving. And again, that's why you also have to be able to adapt to multiple personalities because the people you work with when you first start at the company will not be the people that you'll be working with once you leave, right? Oh, absolutely. And your personality, like you said, your personality will be different with different people because you'll have a different relationship with those people. Like we have different relationships with everyone. I'm different with my father than I am with my father-in-law. I'm different with my husband than I am with my best friend. I mean, we all play different roles and we have different personalities, as you say, and that's okay. So you might have three or four different personalities at work and that's perfectly fine. And, you know, this comes back to as well, your boundaries too, because if you're working with somebody and you don't necessarily get along with them, you might have to set your boundaries that you're not spending as much time with them. Or maybe you don't see them on breaks and lunchtime and things like that. Like you limit your interaction with them and that's okay. And they might be doing the same thing to you. That's the other thing that we're always thinking about us and how things are affecting us, which is great. But we also have to remember there's another person involved. So Max, you might be thinking about, well, I don't really like Fran, so I have to work on this project with her. So we're going to work on the project two hours in every morning for the next three weeks. No problem. In those two hours, you are only focused on the project and the job, not chit-chatting because you don't like me and that's okay. But we're here to do a job. We're here to finish this project and focus on whatever it is that we're doing. So that's what we do. So to summarize our conversation so far, in terms of stress, there's internal and external factors that give you stress. You need to focus on your locus of control. I think that's the term where you focus on the internal stuff. And when you focus more on the internal stuff compared to the external, that will alleviate the stress because people are stressed out when they don't have control, uh, when they're focusing on things that they can't control. But if you focus on the things you can't control, it tends to make it mentally easier for you. And then going to the next part of our conversation, it's about setting boundaries, which again, you can internally control which sometimes leads to the people-pleasing part, right? And you said there's some triggers outside of work that makes you a people-pleaser. It's not just the work itself. And then finally, last part of the conversation is about how to stop caring about what people think about you, how to really internalize your values, and you are the right person for that job. As you said, like looking at different reports or looking at conversations that you had in the past with people saying how good your work is. Those are the three areas, right? So the other thing I want to mention in terms of you shouldn't care what people think and if people are not reacting well to you, I've learned that it's not really about you, it's more about them. So if, for example, if someone's having a bad day and you ask them a question and they lash out at you, it's not really about you, it's about them because they had a bad day and they don't know how to handle it. So they end up just lashing out at people, right? So that's why even if someone doesn't like you in that moment, it might not have to do with you at all. No, absolutely. And that's great. You know what? It's a great thing. Like, again, like I mentioned before, we think about us and we forget about the other person, like that person that, you know, 
butted in front of you at the supermarket. You're like, oh my God, like, really? Are you that? Like that person could be dealing with a dying family member. That person could have sick child at home that they got to get back. Like you don't know what's happening. So always remember it goes two ways, right? Communication and interactions are two ways, right? There's more than one person. It's not just about you. So kind of take a step back and you know, Max, as simple as it sounds, whenever you're answering a question or you're interacting with somebody and you have that sort of people pleasing thing, or you have that worrying about what they're going to think if you say something, just take a minute, take a breath like pause, like honestly, take a pause. And then what is my intention for my thought? Is my intention to help? Is my intention, you know, what I'm going to say, is it going to be contributing to a discussion that we're having? Or is it not beneficial at all? And so by taking that pause and just kind of say, well, my intention is to help in this situation. My intention is to participate with my coworkers in whatever this thing is that we're doing, this project. So I'm leading with that my intention and their intention is the same. So why don't we give them the same intention? We're all here to work together. Because for some people, depending on what's happening in their life, like you mentioned, they might have a lot of other things happening in family and life. Then they come to work. They don't know how to deal with what's going on at home. So give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they got other stuff that you don't know anything about. And so this is the only place that they don't have to worry about what's happening at home, for example, right? They can just come to work and focus on work and we don't have to be social. We don't have to be friends at work. That's another fallacy I think that people have is that you hang out with your coworkers after work and you do things on the weekend. And if you're lucky and that's what you have, that's awesome. But it doesn't necessarily happen to everybody and it doesn't have to. So that's just this image that's portrayed in, I think, in media and movies and TV shows and everything like that. Lots of people are not friends with their coworkers. They don't dislike them. They're just not friends with them. And that's okay. You don't have to be friends with them. Yeah, exactly. Like if my manager is like 45, 50, I'm not going to be friends with them outside of work because like our age gap is so far apart. Like they probably have a family and kids and I'm single, right? So I'm not going to go over to their house on the weekend, especially when we work in an environment where everybody's of different ages. Because I work with people that are younger than me by 10 years. I've worked with people that are older than me by 10, 15. And you're not going to be friends with them outside of work, right? Because again, you're in different paths of your life. But again, as long as you get along with them at work, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's the intention. The intention is I'm coming to work to do my job. Like that's what it is. Work is a job. So do it and do it to the best of your ability and assume that your coworkers are also going to do that. And when you come together with that sort of collective idea of we're going to work together to do whatever it is that we're doing, that's fine. You're not there. I mean, as much as we like to socialize and all that stuff, we're not there to socialize. And it can be very uncomfortable for people. I know workplaces sometimes have like social committees and they do like event days and all. And those are great because they build rapport and they have outside of work communication to get to know your colleagues better. But that still doesn't mean that you're going to be friends with them, right? And those kinds of situations and those kinds of events can be very stressful and very traumatic for people who are actually very introverted. And then they're put in a situation where they have to be with like their 50 coworkers and they have to go out and spend the whole entire day doing team building. That's terrifying for somebody who's an introvert. Like it's really not a wonderful time at all for them. So, you know, you have to think about everybody's personality is different. So maybe you're working with people who are very introverted and they might be very socially awkward. They might be very awkward around people they don't really know. And you don't really know your coworkers if you're not friends with them, right? So that's okay. 
And so I think too, like this came to my head. So I'd love to add it in Max about stress. We use stress a lot as a term for everything. Like I feel stressed. And if that's what's happening to you, so you go through the internal, external, like I mentioned, but the next step that I would say to you is I would also ask to ask yourself, do I really feel stress or is it a different emotion? Because sometimes it's overwhelm. Sometimes it's frustration. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's sadness. Like there are other things happening in our lives, not just our work. And we can't just separate those things, right? So if you're feeling, okay, I am stressed. Well, ask yourself, am I really stressed or is there something happening? Something other emotion that's going on here and label that emotion because that can change things as well. Because if you say, well, I'm frustrated. Okay. What am I frustrated about? I'm frustrated about what's happening at work or I'm frustrated about what's happening at home. Oh, I'm frustrated about what's happening at home. That's a very different thing than me being angry or frustrated with Max at work. Cause it's not you. It's my home situation. It's something that happened at home not what's happening at the workplace. So if you can really identify the feeling, whether it is stress or if it's something else, that will give you some insight into, you know, why maybe you're reacting a particular way or behaving in a particular manner because you have another emotion happening. So label it and feel it and deal with that. Don't transfer it to your coworkers. We had a great conversation so far. What is one big takeaway you want the listener listening to this episode right now to take away to action to help reduce their stress levels in the workplace? There are some things in our life that we absolutely can't control. That's probably the biggest takeaway. And the more we try to control the things that we actually can't control, the more frustrating and stressful and disheartening and disappointed we're going to be. So if I can't control it, then why don't I focus my energy on what I can control? Because there are many, many things in our life that we have control over. And so why don't we focus on those? And these things contribute to stress. We have control over our emotions. We have control over the food that we eat. We have control how much sleep we get. We have control over how much we exercise. We have control over our thoughts. So maybe a strategy, if you find that you're feeling like that you just don't have control over anything and you're stressed, why don't you write down the things that you're feeling stressed about? Write down the things that you feel that you would like to control. And then again, look at that list. What are the things you can control? But it really is, we spend a lot of time focusing on things that we have no impact on. Like I did not get very stressed over COVID, to be perfectly honest. The past two years, really, I had to switch my whole work to online. I lost clients. I have no control over that. So I don't think that I felt the stress that some people took on with COVID because I have no control. Like kids are out of school. Okay. I mean, it sucks. It's horrible for parents because you have to navigate all that stuff. Okay. Don't stress about the fact that the schools got closed. Why don't we focus on the things that we can control? Where are you going to put your kids? Can you get some daycare? Can you get some time away from work? Like what are the pieces that you can actually change and manipulate to have a little more control over the situation? Don't worry about COVID. I, I have no control over COVID. It's doing its own thing. Well, it is though, right? I mean, it sounds very simplistic. Again, I've said this more than once. I don't mean to simplify it, but try and look at things in a very simplified way. That was more than one thing. I totally answered, gave you like five pieces of information. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. So throughout your journey, in terms of helping clients reduce stress levels, what have you done in your career that you wish you learned earlier so you wouldn't be overbearing with stress? Okay. So when it comes to work, the thing that I learned, 
and that I think everybody should take home is you will be replaced tomorrow. Your employer will find somebody else to do your job tomorrow. They might not be very good at it and they might not be as good as you, but if something were to happen, they will replace you tomorrow. And I don't mean this in a negative way by saying that you are replaceable. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is you're worrying and stressing over a job that if something were to happen and you didn't come tomorrow, they would find someone else to do it. So you're putting all of your energy and stress into a position, a job that if you're not there tomorrow, it will still go on. Life will still go on without you at that company. So, you know, think about where you want to put your energy. Does it make you happy? That's what I ask myself to do that job. Does it make you happy to put in all this extra energy, trying to please everybody and make sure everybody likes you? Then don't do it if it doesn't make you happy. The other thing that I've done is I really separate my work and my life and they don't bleed into each other. So what I mean by that is sometimes people will be like, oh, well, I'll just answer this quick email from work or I'll just quickly text back that person. If you're not on the clock and I know some jobs you have to be available and I understand that, but if that's not your job to be on call all the time, then you shouldn't be. If you're done your job on Friday night and you have Saturdays and Sundays off, Saturdays and Sundays should be for you and your family and your friends and things that you enjoy. And so there really needs to be a separation between work and life. And I think we let them bleed together too much. So that was something that I learned is to really separate that. So when I'm done, I'm done. Like when I'm on holidays, when we're, I have one more podcast after you, I got another one. And when I'm done that, I'm on holidays <laughs> like until the following Monday. So till the 15th, I'm out, I'm not doing stuff and feel good about that. Right. You need to have relaxation. That's the other thing I've included in my life. Things that I enjoy doing time to relax, time to exercise, time to go for a walk. All that self-care stuff that people talk about, schedule it in first and then schedule everything else around it. Whereas people seem to schedule all the things you enjoy and then you do your work, if that makes sense. The question I have for you is, if you're on vacation still looking at your work email, is it really vacation, right? It's not. Of course not, right? Like I work with and I take this from people who are more successful than I am. Okay. I have coaches. I worked with coaches. This is the email that I get from them in the contract working with them. I answer emails from seven till seven thirty AM every day, Monday to Friday, not on the weekends. I also check my emails from four 30 to five 30 at the end of every day. So if you need me, that's the time that you need to contact me. I've had coaches a very strict schedule. I take phone calls on Friday mornings between eight and 12. If you need me, you can call me on Friday morning. If you are on fire, you may call me another time and please text. I'm on fire right now. Please help me. This is Fran. But other than that, I'm not going to be responding to the other things. And so what happens, and this is boundaries, right? That taught me, oh, well, if I need Joe, my coach, I'm going to have to make sure that I get that email in his inbox first thing in the morning, or I call him on Friday mornings when he's taking phone calls because the other days of the week and the other times he's unavailable to me. So I didn't even bother the other times because he's not going to answer. Like I know that. So you set up the boundaries, you set up the expectations and what's happening and when you're accessing your email or phone or whatever and stick to them. You have to stick to them. You have to set the boundaries and stick to them. But I think with our technology, which is so amazing because you and I can have this conversation, right? But we've become so attached to technology that we're like, oh, I have to answer that right away. Oh, I got to respond to that email. No, you don't. 
you're young, Max. I'm older than you. I remember when we had phone, like landline phones, no voicemail, no answering machines. No. So if you wanted to talk to somebody, you were like, Max, when are you going to be home tonight? Like, and I talked to you after school, when are you home tonight or after work? Okay. I'll be home at seven. Okay. I'll call you at seven. Okay. Make sure you're home by your phone at seven. Cause I need to talk to you. Like we had to schedule it <laughs> because there wasn't this instant someone picks up the phone all the time and there were no answering machines. So you had to really plan those things out. And so our world has become so instant and everything now, 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 now that we forget about ourselves. So the now, now, now should include you, not just your work. It should include you and all the things that you enjoy. So that is really important as well. Great. And how can people learn more about what you do and how you can help them be a part of themselves and not just identify with their work? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram. So Fran Garten Pain Coach and feel free, send me a DM. I'd love to chat. If you have questions, if you want you know, to pick my brain about moving forward with those tips for stress and how to deal with those stressors, I'm happy to help. And I always offer a free 15 minute call so people can schedule that with me as well. Sounds good. Again, appreciate the time, Fran, and enjoy your week off. Thanks so much, Max. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.